0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. On today's show, we figure out what major breaking news will be dropping on the Threads app. I don't have anything to
2: add. I have just learned what the Threads app is. I'm a refusant with Pro Football Network.
1: That's the crew on today's Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports
2: Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party.
1: Welcome back to the Minnesota football party. I'm Sam Ekstrom. I'm back from vacation. Luke Braun still absent. Luke Inman gets the day off. It's PTO week, apparently, at On Sports Minnesota. But, hey, we press on with the stalwart, Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. He doesn't take days off. He never misses time. He's at Arif Hassan NFL. Arif, welcome in, man. Uh, hello.
2: I... Again, don't have much to add. I'm at a loss for words, it seems like, on this podcast.
1: That's a rarity. Feels like a critical
2: failure of the format.
1: You know who's not at a loss for words? Ron Johnson. He joins later in the show. We're also going to dig into the Vikings' salary cap health. Brad Spielberger put together a great write-up of that. We're going to discuss whether there's any pre-camp news that may or may not drop with the Minnesota Vikings, and will it be dropping on the Threads app? We'll find that out, and we're going to look at pending Vikings free agents who's going to play themselves into a big contract with or without uh, the Minnesota Vikings the following season. That's all coming up on today's Minnesota Football Party. Bless you on Lockdown Sports Minnesota, which you can subscribe to for free on YouTube. We're also free and available on audio wherever you get your podcasts. Amazon Fire, Roku, Sirius XM. plenty of ways to listen to all of our shows. Minnesota Football Party, the Ron Johnson Show. And Minnesota sports rank them, which today ranked the top all-star moments in Minnesota sports history. But Arif, uh, we begin with this. Vikings cap health is great. Sixth, in (laughs) fact, in, in the NFL. Brad Spielberger, trusted cap resource for pro football focus. He wrote about this, broke it down by five criteria, and he arrives at the conclusion. The Vikings are sixth in cap health. Um, Will Raggett's had the aggregation as well. And the the criteria that Spielberger used uh, was valuation of top 51 talent. Yeah. So that's
2: that's designed to create effective cap space, right? So if you know what your cap space is going to be, but you have fewer than 53 players on your roster, that's not a fair understanding of your own cap space. So he added a couple of $760,000 contracts to any teams that have fewer of them under contract. So.
1: Keep going. Good good clarification. Um, Active draft capital, including 2023 draft picks. Vikings were 11th. Um, Cap space for the next three years. Vikings were 9th. Total prorated money. um, Vikings were 9th, which surprised me because they have a $28 million albatross. And I assume that 9th here means good and not like Right. Yeah.
2: So um, especially because the Vikings rank pretty highly, I'm going to assume that that rank is all of the ranks end up being pretty good. The idea behind that obviously is about cap flexibility, right? So if you've got um, more prorated money, you've got less flexibility. That is the one kind of money you cannot move around with extensions or restructures. You can only add to your prorated money. So if most of your cap is tied up in non-prorated money, You can, for example, like the Vikings have done continuously with people like Daniel Hunter and Eric Hendricks and Ed Thielen, et cetera, and so on. Turn that guaranteed money or turn the base salary that is hitting you in the cap and turn it into a signing bonus that you extend over the life of your new contract. Um, And so prorate that out. That allows you the flexibility to create more cap space. So that's why it's a cap flexibility ranking and not a cap space ranking, because it asks the question, how much cap space can you create should you need to create it? Um, so, you know, that one was a little bit surprising to me, the, the void money, because it's not just the $28 million from Kirk Cousins, right? It's the void money from the Marcus Davenport contract. Yeah. It's the void money from, there's one other contract we were talking, the Geneal Hunter contract, the extension there. Mm-hmm. So there's three kinds of void money that are hitting. Um, but I guess, you know, because it's a three-year cap health um, assessment, um, that it, it certainly plays a, a, a decent role, but it must not play such a huge role that um, it overwhelms things because it is about 40 some million in uh in void money that you're dealing with. Which you know, hey, if you resign sign all of those guys, that's a 90 million dollar or 40 million dollar discount.
1: This really is kind of a snapshot in time, though, isn't it? Because if they were to extend. Mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson. If they were to extend Daniel Hunter and certainly Justin Jefferson. Their cap liabilities are going up so substantially. Would that you think affect then this cap health ranking like between now and the start of camp?
2: I think so. I don't think um cuz I know Spielberger talked about like valuing free agents at a certain level based off of PFF grades and stuff like that, but I don't think it assumes that you're re-signing free agents, I can take a second look at that, um, but yeah, it would it would change your cap health in a pretty significant way, um, because it is a three-year time frame, twenty twenty-three to twenty twenty-five, and most of the cap hits from those, uh, if they're long-term extensions, say they get five-year deals done with with let's say Jefferson, Hunter, and Hawkinson, um, obviously all good news. That's what the cap health is for. Um, I would imagine it actually doesn't have an enormous impact because a lot of that hit will be backloaded into the third, fourth, and fifth year of the contract, the way that those contracts are structured. So, yeah, certainly that's going to play a pretty big role. Um, I would imagine it doesn't play, you know, the the biggest role, on the, especially because they're not quarterbacks. So that's something to keep in mind.
1: If you could predict the order of resolution with Jefferson, Hawkinson, and Hunter, and, may, and if there is no resolution, that would obviously be, be last, but in or, who's going to get extended first, second, and third, in your mind? Uh, in my mind, it would be
2: Hunter, because he's the one kind of banging the table for it the most, so he's creating you know, new deadlines and stuff like that. Um, then I would say... Hawkinson and Jefferson. Um, Normally I'd say Jefferson. The reason I didn't say Jefferson is two reasons. One is that Jefferson himself is just taking it remarkably slow. Very, I don't know if lackadaisical is the right word, but he's he's Mm -hmm. playing it pretty slowly. Not urgent, right? Um, The second is that the Vikings seemingly, um, you know, there's a report I think from Florio, right, that the Vikings are willing to just kind of wait. You know, they've got the fifth-year option. You know where they've got him under contract for I don't know like 19 million or something like that. Um, they could negotiate into that window pretty easily. So um, it seems like both sides are pretty willing to wait on this without causing much rancor. So I'm going to put Jefferson third. Hawkinson is therefore second by default.
1: Yeah, the Hawkinson thing is interesting to me because a team that's tearing it down in pseudo fashion may not be as eager to get that thing done with Hawkinson as we assume. um so i i'm I'm a little I'm watching Hawkinson very closely because based on his age, based on what they gave up for him last year, I would think that's a priority. um that's at least the perception I have. And if that is lingering, if that's going into camp and there's no extension, then then my alarm bells go off more so than Jefferson, who does have. The two years left on the deal, and the reports already laying the groundwork that this might not happen right away. Um, you know, it, it's understandable, I guess, why the team is not moving on Daniil Hunter because they're at a serious impasse. Mm-hmm. It, it seems more obvious to get done with Hawkinson unless they are totally focused on cap flexibility moving forward. They, they believe this is a real teardown. Um, that's the one that I think actually is the most informative about where this front office is at, is what they do with TJ. What do you think?
2: Yeah, that one, that one is kind of um, curious, just because, I mean, it very much seems like they're pretty committed to, I mean, why would you trade for him in near the end of his contract anyway, right? Um, it seems like they're pretty committed to the idea of, of having a long-term extension for TJ. I wonder if he's wondering, you know, kind of what the future is mm-hmm. at quarterback, right. Before he, you know, decides to execute on that because, um, he's got a little bit of a short cause he's playing right now in the fifth year option. Right. So, uh, if I'm yep. remembering correctly, so, so he's got a shorter window, um, to hit free agency than Jefferson does. Uh, and so he's got, you know, that option of just saying, you know, Hey, maybe we could just play this out, play out the season. Uh, and, uh, if there's no movement on a quarterback, you know I don't want to waste my prime, you know playing for a team that that is trying to develop a quarterback. That's just not be my job. I want to win. Um, so certainly it could that could play a role on Hawkinson's side. Obviously on the Viking side, kind of figuring out kind of who they are. I think that their approach to kind of constantly being competitive, whether or not that's possible without Cousins, um, will encourage them to continue to to get a deal done with Hawkinson because, you know, he's young enough that he's going to be part of the future, I think, for the Vikings, whatever the vision of the future is. Uh, And uh, and I think that it's difficult to find players um, like Hawkinson that are, um, I don't know, upper middle class in the NFL, right? It's Mm -hmm. like a guy that you definitely don't want to experiment replacing with like a rookie, right? Like he's he's just valuable, right? Yeah. He's also not a star in the same way that Justin Jefferson is, and so he's kind of occupies that middle area where you're not really comparing him to Kelsey or Kittle or even Darren Waller, but you're like very happy he's there.
1: And not easy. You can't replace a TJ Hawkinson easily, like you said. Big, good tight ends don't grow on trees. There's not yeah. 32 of them. You could argue. Yeah. So he's a very valuable commodity, and that he probably knows that too which Mm -hmm. is why free agency could be an appeal. So if you're looking at pending free agents, and that would include Daniel Hunter, it would include TJ Hawkinson. It also includes some secondary players, uh, some fringe starters or key backups. Who do you think plays themselves into a big contract next March? And that might be playing themselves out of the Vikings price range as Mm -hmm. well. But other candidates would be... um, Marcus
2: Davenport, right? That's the whole point.
1: Oh, Marcus Davenport. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Marcus Davenport. Um, and that might be the whole design It's just for him yeah. to, to play here one year and then get out. KJ Osborne though, obviously Ezra Cleveland, DJ Wanham, Josh Metellus, Jawan Williams. Who do you think puts themselves in position to get paid?
2: Did you say Ezra Cleveland too? Cause that's, uh,
1: I did. I did. Mention, okay, yeah. Yep.
2: yeah, that was pretty important. Um, I mean the the most bizarre one would be if it was like Jordan Hicks, right? I think he's in free agency too. Um that would be that would be kind of stunning.
1: That'd be surprising. Um,
2: yeah. Um yeah, I think uh, you know, if you end up with like a DJ Wanam or a Jordan Hicks playing themselves into like a new contract, that is just a fantastic scenario. Um the Vikings have a lot of cap health, so maybe there's not a ton of people who can uh, play themselves out, but KJ Osborne is probably the most likely candidate to play so well that he can't be on the team anymore, right? Because I think it's a pretty unlikely scenario that DJ Wanham plays so well that the Vikings don't have a place for him, right? He's playing a premium position. The depth there is important. They can find ways to put three guys on the field. If Marcus Davenport also plays well enough to get an extension, you know, there's room. But if but if KJ Osborne plays really well and you've got this first round pick and you've got Justin Jefferson and they seem to want to run two wide receiver sets a lot more often, he's just not going to get the opportunity to shine, Right it's basically like if he resigns, we might have a similar, like, Hey, why did Alexander Madison resign? Uh, but you know, we know why he resigned, right. It's because Dalvin Cook Mm -hmm. was on the app. That's not going to, it's not like we're going to be like, yeah, we're sick of Justin Jefferson, you know? So that one I think is the one that's like the most, like he could play so well, it's possible that he seeks greener pastures where he could, you know, take the mantle of wide receiver one. Um, other than that, you know, I'm taking a look at this list. I mean, Ezra Cleveland would be um, a really great opportunity. You know, if, if you know if he plays so well that he ends up, you know, in like a Ben Powers type situation, he was one of the bigger free agents last year. Uh, that would be awesome for him. I find it hard for the Vikings to be in a situation where they don't keep that right, <laughs> just because it's so mm-hmm. so difficult to build an interior. Um, and they might be in a situation where they're just like you know, Garrett Bradbury had the one year where he was all right, but it's time to move on. Or, hey, Ed Ingram's had two years of struggling. It's time to move on. If you're in a situation where where those two guys are replaceable, you're not going to want to move on from a third one that's actually playing pretty well. Uh, Let's see, who else did you mention that –
1: yeah, so Metellus would be a free agent, and we project him that as a possible starter. That one's interesting. Uh, yeah, Jawan Williams and and he might be vying, you know, for for reps with someone like Metellus. But Jawan Williams, a one year deal. I don't know if I, I think that there, there's two couple scenarios here. So you got the Hawkinsons and the Hunters. Oh,
2: what about Kairos Tonga? He could play himself into a nice yeah, and he's an RFA, million. right?
1: So he oh, could that's right he yeah. could force the price up, so they need to give him like a second round tender. Yeah. Um which may not be as appealing if, if that is what they have to do. So yeah, you're absolutely right about Tonga. I, I think there's a couple guys like Hunter and Hawkinson who there's almost nothing they could do to play themselves out of a big contract, right? Like yeah. the priors yeah, are if, too if strong.
2: They, if they stay on the field, right? Like if Hunter mm-hmm. gets hurt, that's a different... But if they stay on the field, they could play the worst years of their career, right? And we'd just be like, oh, well, that sucks. Anyway, here's $50 million. <laughs>
1: <laughs> C- correct. Absol- yeah. People are going to be willing to take that gamble. Yeah. Um. Then you've got a player like Wanham, Metellus. If they don't do anything this year, they're looking at having to fight for a spot one year yeah. from now. Um. And then you've got, I think, the the Clevelands and the Osbournes, who are very much in the middle, where if they hit the market today, someone would pay them. They would pay them a nice intermediate contract, and they can both probably turn that into a big money. I I don't know if it's like 10 million or more per year, but Ezra Cleveland to me feels like the kind of guard that someone's going to give, probably, probably going to overpay to get based on the pedigree um, the, the performance, which has been had a, a relatively high floor he has been yeah, mostly average yeah. which at yeah. guard in the NFL sometimes teams will pay Difficult an absurd amount for. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like the
2: guard market once they actually do hit free agency has been really high. It's been it's been higher than I think a lot of us expected. Like right because like at the top, you know, remember when Joe Thuney hit free agency? At the mm-hmm. top, yeah, of course we expected that to be a big contract, but I think that came in bigger than we expected, right? Uh and then everything else that follows, right? Like I just mentioned Ben Powers. Ben Powers is a very good guard. He's better right now than Ezra Cleveland is, in my opinion. But he signed for a lot of money, like 14. Something. It's a crazy amount of money for a guard. Um, so it is entirely possible that we end up with a guard market that is going to be very friendly to somebody like Cleveland, who's got, like you mentioned, a, a pretty high floor. I'm trying to get the free agency list of guards loaded and uh, yeah. over the cap sometimes it, it takes a second. Um But yeah, if you take a look at the 2023 free agents at guard, um, you end up with, here we go. So like people that switch teams, like Shaq Mason, for example, was traded and immediately signed a contract worth $11.7 million a year. Shaq Mason, good guard, Hmm. but like, but man, that's a lot. Uh, Graham Glasgow, who I don't even know if, I don't think he's starting, right? You know, he's playing for the Lions again. He is maybe their second backup, not even their first backup. He'd be three million dollars a year, right? So you're in a spot yeah. where like these guard contracts are and Ben Powers I mentioned, 13, not 14, 13 million dollars. Um, wow. Nate Davis when he signed with the Bears, 10 million dollars. Nate Davis isn't even a good guard, right? <laughs> like, like that's <laughs> no <laughs> so, so uh so yeah, I, I think that because of the rarity, of the position and how difficult it is to find somebody that you feel like you can trust, you end up in a spot where um, you end up paying some of these guys 10 million just because it's like, oh, he's a starter, right? Which was not the but, case. Yeah, like we
1: live in a ago. world where Nick Easton probably earned like yeah 15 million NFL dollars just by virtue of being a starting guard. Not yeah. not a good starting guard, just just started on a good team. Yeah. I remember arguing with
2: Saints fans about that because when he signed up the Saints, I was like, Well, you know, good for him, right? Like I'm happy for him. But that's not gonna help them. And they were like, well, the Saints wouldn't sign somebody who's bad at offensive linemen. And they listed all of their historically very good offensive linemen. It's like, Well, you know, times change.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the Saints—they're uh, a long way from that. Uh, we've got Ron Johnson coming up on the show. Before we get to him, a reminder to check out FanDuel, which brings us today's show and FanDuel.com/slash Locked On. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel with a wonderful new promotion—you get ten times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to two hundred bucks. So, you bet twenty, they give you two hundred. Win or lose in bonus bets. 200 bucks you can put on money lines over unders uh, who you think is going to hit the first home run it's all on the safe secure easy to use FanDuel Sportsbook app when you win you get paid instantly no better place to bet baseball than FanDuel America's number one sportsbook sign up today again FanDuel.com slash locked on get up to $200 back in bonus bets FanDuel.com slash locked on it's FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball Ron Johnson joins now in the Minnesota Football Party, host of the Ron Johnson Show. He's at three. Ron Johnson on Twitter, and he joins us now en route to somewhere uh, hopefully tropical. Ron, uh, how are you doing today?
0: I'm good. How's it going? It's I going wish well. I was going somewhere. I wish I was going somewhere tropical. Definitely not.
1: No, just like uh, I don't know. Edina is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty tropical though. As far yeah, as the suburbs, yeah. I'm leaving Edina. The
0: best decision I ever made was to leave out of Edina. Uh, to finish <laughs> this interview, uh, love to Dinah hear Dining Dinah's not where you want to be unless you want to try for the mighty dunk. So I'm out
1: of here. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Well, my first time talking to you this week, Ron. I've been off. Um, you've been doing some good shows with Luke Inman. Uh, we were just talking with the reef about future free agents for the Vikings, um, including guys like Ezra Cleveland, TJ Hawkinson, Daniil Hunter, uh, KJ Osborne. Uh, in your opinion, Ron if they all hit free agency and, and they could extend Hawkinson, right. They could extend Hunter, but if they all hit free agency, uh, who do you think's getting just a whopping payday next year?
0: Uh, Ooh, I'd say, honestly, I feel like the tight end is one of those positions. Um, but who's it? Daniil Hunter, TJ Hawkinson, and who's the other one?
1: Uh, I threw out Cleveland, Ezra Cleveland and, uh, and KJ Osborne.
0: I'd say of that group, I'd say it's between Danil and uh, TJ Hawkinson. I just know the tight end is considered now that the wide receiver two on a lot of teams. When you talk about Travis Kelsey, uh, you, you look at, you know, his production there and how he's shown you don't really need two receivers. If you have a guy like Travis Kelsey, um, TJ Hawkinson coming from Iowa, uh, same with the 49ers, George Kittle being technically kind of wide receiver one with George Kittle. Um, I would say TJ Hogginson, but Daniel Hunter, I mean, honestly, pass rushers, if he stays healthy, he's young. If he stays healthy and shows he can go a whole season, regardless of where he ends up, if he stays with the Vikings and maybe lowers, just like Anthony Barr did and say, you know what, I'll stay, but I want to I want one year left on this deal and I want to be done. Um, I'd say pass rusher too, like pass rusher tight end is kind of the way to go. Uh, offensive guard, not so much. Uh, wide receiver two slash maybe three on some other teams. I don't see KJ Osborne getting a big payday, so I, I would definitely think, um, but Christian Kirk showed us, you never know, but um, I'd say TJ Hawkins and Daniel Hunter are, are set to get, and of those two, if I had to put my money somewhere, I'm going to honestly probably go with Daniel Hunter, because again, pass rushers are just, it's, that's the name of the game, quarterbacks are getting paid a ton, and I got to find somebody to stop them, and it's Daniel Hunter.
2: When you take a look at a player like, you know, K.J. Osborne, who uh, you didn't bring up, but is somebody that I I just feel like very often wide receiver threes, when they play really well, end up trying to go somewhere else in free agency to see if they could earn a job as a starter. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that an area where... Um, because the Vikings seemingly are moving in a direction where they're going to be kind of a two receiver team, they got a first round pick in Jordan Addison. So long term, there's probably not going to be a ton of room in, for uh, for KJ Osborne. Is that an area where you just feel like, you know, if he plays pretty well, that's it. There's probably not going to be a scenario where they where they re sign KJ Osborne.
0: Uh yes and no. So here's the thing about it. KJ Osborne to me reminds me this this year. There's two, there's two scenarios where this happens. Scenario one is you have Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, unproven uh, vets, I guess you'll call them, and they draft Laquan Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell is supposed to come in and be like wide receiver 1A to somebody's 1B, whether it was Diggs or it was Thielen. Nobody knew. Diggs blows up, Thielen blows up in the same year. We don't really hear from Laquan Treadwell. Um, due to some of his own personal stuff, you know, getting injured, working out. You know, in the middle of the night during training camp, running stairs. Uh, some of it was personal uh, sabotage, I'd say, like overthinking the process. And then, you know, it's just that Digs blew up. Like Diggs became one of the best receivers we had ever seen in a purple uniform. Uh, you know, since like Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and so I think that's what kind of pushed Treadwell down. But then you also have the 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 uh, Justin Jefferson. You got Adam Thielen and B.C. Johnson, and they were the potential starters, and the team took the same approach and said, you know what, let's let this rookie sit back, let's let these vets play, and then see what happens. Well, B.C. Johnson has a terrible game against the coach. Step in, Justin Jefferson, he never looks back. And so you have those two situations for a first-round pick. Same number, like 21, 22, 23, it could be either or. So we're not. I'm not saying Jordan Addison is either. Like I'm not saying he's Justin Jefferson. I'm not saying he's Laquan Treadwell. Maybe he's in the middle. Um, but we really don't know because if, if Jordan Asden doesn't become what we think he should be and he's more like a Jalen Rager, nothing against Jalen Rager, he's a, I think he's a good player. Um, that might give KJ Osborne a chance to step into that Adam Thielen role and be a guy. So I, I never want to like just say like, oh, this guy's a three and he's going to go. Somewhere. Like we just don't know. Um, college highlights look great until you put on that NFL uniform and you got to prove you can still do it. And There's not a lot of guys that continue to compete at that level. Um, And there's nothing wrong with being wide receiver two or three in the NFL It's still you're the best of the best. You're a a less than one percenter at that point. But I I think for Jordan Addison, he's going to dictate a lot of what happens to K.J. Osborne. So we'll see. And K.J. Osborne can dictate a lot of what happens to Jordan Addison. So it's a it's a it's it's chicken or the egg. Like we won't know until we get the season going. Absolutely. Uh, one,
2: one more thing. Sorry, Sam. I know we like to trade off questions, but just I I, I love KJ Osborne. I want to ask questions about him. Uh, w- one thing that I'm kind of curious about because of this emphasis on producing better running looks and stuff like that, even within a two receiver set, I wonder if one of the reasons that Osborne might eat into Addison snaps early, not just because he's a rookie, uh, might eat into his snaps early is because he's probably the best run blocker that we've got on the on the receiver roster right now and if they're truly committed to being better at running the ball um through through the virtue of blocking it feels like there's going to be a lot of opportunity for uh, for osborne to just be on the field so that he has the ability to block and maybe they'll audible out so they'll throw or maybe it's play action whatever but that'll give him some opportunities because I mean, I like Addison, but he does not look like a blocker to me. And, you know, looks can be deceiving. But for now, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust that it's gonna be difficult for a guy his size to take on a linebacker.
0: Uh yeah, big facts. Uh I'd say KJ Osborne is the best blocker as far as receivers go with this team. Uh if they are gonna go like a big receiver set where it's TJ Hawkinson and KJ Osborne, I think that's gonna be what you're gonna see, especially if it's a run pass option, meaning hey, if we have a look we like, let's run the ball. Let's let KJ Osborne uh, block the crap out of a safety or a corner. Um, but then also if we need to pass out of this set because all of a sudden uh, they're, they're in a position that it, it's favorable for us to split T.J. out, uh, split KJ out. Now T.J. has a safety maybe or a linebacker having to guard him because they went with like a bare set front and it's they only have three DBs in the game. And they don't want to have to push a corner maybe or safety out do um so yeah so i could see kj osborne being a if i'm picking a guy in the slot that's going to dig out of safety in the run game i'm going to take kj osborne over anybody else in that room right now um so yeah so i definitely see kj osborne being the potential wide receiver two for most of the first three games at least uh and then it's his job to lose i don't think it's going to be jordan Addison's job to gain I think it's truly because with Jordan Addison, they know, OK, we got four years with this guy. So we know we have at least four years before we have to even talk about a fifth year option. Um, I, I think they're going to play that well and say, let's see what we truly have in a KJ Osborne uh, to see if we can get the most out of Justin KJ and Jordan Addison on a rookie deal for at least three years. Uh, and then let's go draft us a, a quarterback if we don't decide to bring Curtis back. But no, I think KJ Osborne is, is really good. I think he can be really uh, explosive in this offense. Uh, but, again, it's going to be between those two. K.J. Osborne and, and Jordan Addison are going to, you know, unfortunately are going to battle each other for that time.
1: Yeah, I agree with that assessment, Ron. I think K.J. sitting on a big year. Uh, let me ask you this, Ron. July 6th, so NFL players are about three weeks away from reporting to training camp. When you were a player, at this point in the summer – were you uh, still kind of, you know, relaxed mind, kind of taking it a little easy? Were you working out pretty hard? Was there a stress of the the impending camp coming up for you? Where were you at uh, around the 4th of July during your playing days?
0: Well, I mean, for me, every year I was a bubble guy. You know, like besides my rookie year, I kind of felt like I had it. Um, every year I was, you know, I was going to be that third, fourth receiver, um so for me, yeah, this time of the year, I was kind of relaxing, not doing anything stupid. Um, I wasn't a big like jet ski water boat type of guy. I wasn't motorcycling anything. Um, I was in a bubble. I was I was like bubble boy. I was putting myself in a bubble to make sure I made it to camp. Uh, because if I got hurt away from the team, I was done. And so I just kept that in mind. So, like with my girlfriend who's not my wife, um, you know, like they wanted to do all this. Like, I, I do valley fair. Uh, but that's about as far as I'm going. Like I'm not I'm not taking like a big trip. I'm not gonna, like I'd visit family in Detroit. So me and my girlfriend at the time would go to Detroit for a little bit. Uh, I'd be here in Minnesota working out. And then I would go back to Baltimore maybe like two weeks early um, because I did have a house. So I would go back two weeks early and just get kind of acclimated again to the area. Because, you know, being away from somewhere for a month, it does take you time to get used to the freeways again, you know, driving again. I mean, now at my age, being gone for like 10 days on vacation, it takes me time to get used to Minnesota again. So, um, you know, back then it was, you know, working out, but not doing anything crazy, like realizing that I've, I've done all the work up until this point. One month of like relaxed workouts is not going to make or break me unless I didn't do the work in the summer. Uh, but I was a I was a 95 to 99 percent guy. Like I was in Baltimore for all the offseason workouts. I was there for all the OTAs. Um, yeah, I, you know, we had a personal trainer guy that would train us all on the side as well. So I was doubling up. Like I was going, I remember, I remember I did like boxing classes with Sam Cassell because he was from the Maryland area, I guess. Um, so I like right. boxing classes, uh, with Sam Cassell. I remember him being in there and, um, you know, stuff like that. Like I was, I was meeting guys like Sam because he was a Timberwolf, but then also he was from, I'm guessing he's from Maryland. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And I'm just making that up and he just happened to be there working out with us, but, Um, he was a Timberwolf, and then I remember, like, being in Baltimore, and we went to, like, this boxing class, and then Sam Cassell, like, is in it, and so we're doing this boxing class for, like, a couple weeks, me, Bart Scott, Ed Hartwell, uh, Sam Cassell, forgot who else was in there, but we would all do, like, boxing workouts, and then we would go run the heels, we did, like, these med ball tosses up heels, so we did some of that stuff, some explosive parachute stuff, but it was really, like, Low key. And then I would reach out to like Kyle Bowler or Chris Redman and say, hey, man, let's go throw for a little bit of the facility. We throw for, you know, 30, 40 minutes, get some routes in. And then, you know, the day is mine because we, we were starting these workouts at like seven, six a.m. a.m. So we were done by like noon. And then from there, it's like relaxing, uh watching some TV, stretching, getting massages, stuff like that. But, yeah, I was I was a guy that I knew I had to do everything to make sure like I'm in shape because uh, i was going to be on all phases of special teams like special teams practice for me wasn't like the vets special teams practice was like a, a a a cakewalk like they got to sit back and watch us run up and down the field and do you know 10 kickoffs 10 kickoff returns we had to do punt block punt return and you see ray lewis over there they're over there drinking water and just chilling laughing having fun so for me i knew i had to be in shape because i i had no real breaks during training camp so that was me you know i know some guys that are vets and they they have the ability to rest uh, they have a different approach um and also training camps a lot different now too we had to be our bodies had to be ready for the brutality of true a days where you were wearing pads twice you had to hit in the morning and you had to come back in the afternoon and hit again uh where now like the morning practice is a walk through and flip flops and then the second practice is a practice in shorts and shells for like a week and then you get to put pads on like maybe after four days or something so it's way different
2: yeah. Um, I see so you mentioned a couple of times that your approach was like mediated by the fact that you knew that you were on the bubble. Do you find that a lot of players have that kind of awareness of kind of where they stand or, or is there, um, you know, some players, you know, who have been the best player at high school, best player in college and now they're in the NFL and they just kind of assume, you know, things will work out. Are there players who have the kind of confidence that they're just definitely going to make the roster that they don't kind of approach the off season in a way that, reflects the fact that they might actually be a bubble guy or more players actually more aware of kind of what their standing is?
0: Uh, I honestly hope they're more aware. Um, I I think the the guys that are savvy in their business side of this sport, I think they're very aware of where they stand. Uh, I think they're very aware of like, you know, where they they fall in the hierarchy of the position in which they're in because OTAs, like you guys said, you know, when you look at OTAs and the Caleb Evans uh, being cornerback two right now, uh, coaches don't just set up OTAs in minicamp and, and don't like kind of put the guys they think are going to be where they think they are. So OTAs in minicamp, like, that's how I approached it. Like when I was in minicamp and all of a sudden I'm tight end two or wide receiver three, um, you know, from there it's my job not to lose that because they've, they've given me that ability to run with the ones. Cause they just want to see how I fit with the ones as a tight end or a, you know, a H back or a receiver with the three, you know, the third receiver coming in. So there's a lot to that too. So if guys aren't aware of it, of their situation and and where they stand, um, that's on them. But no, I I think a lot of guys are kind of figuring it out um, and they, they do take the time to understand, um, Hey, if I'm the, you know, if I'm with the twos and the threes, this is where I'm kind of at. So how do I get with the ones or the twos? I have to bust my butt. And so if they are, you know, thinking, Hey, like, man, I just made, you know, 34, 30, $30,000 is off season. Uh, and that's good. Uh Yeah. It's good for two months, three months, whatever it was, this off season. I don't even know how long it is for them. But then if you get cut you that 30,000 has got to last you for 12 months. So uh, that's the one mistake a lot of players make is that off season money uh, feels like free money, whether your agent got in your contract or you're getting a $10,000 stipend from the team because you worked it out if you come to training camp. I mean, I remember Santana Moss when I was with the uh, Washington team. Uh, I think his was, because I remember laughing that he almost didn't get it, was like $500,000. I think he talked about it too, Sam, when we had him on our show. But he had like a $500,000 bonus. And all he had to do was make 80% of his workouts. And he almost missed it. Like, he almost missed it. He had to, like, fly back because he had miscalculated, I guess, the number of practices. So, he had to fly back, which if you're going to make $500,000, who cares how much the flight costs? He had to rush and fly back to make, like, a Monday workout so that his Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday workout would count towards that 80% and he'd be fine. But, yeah, like, it's crazy when you think about stuff like that. Uh, So, so some guys, you know, whatever their workout or off-season deal they worked out, because I know free agents now can get, like, $10,000 deals. From the team to be a part of fifteen thousand dollar deals, to be a part of the team, and we want to sign you, even though you're a free agent, uh great, but that doesn't mean anything to a team. Fifteen thousand dollars to them is like a a a nickel to to some guys, you know. Like they're like, oh 15 grand, I'm a billionaire. Sure, let's give it to him. Let's make sure he's here and he's ours. Let's see what we get. If he's not what we thought, we cut him and we move on. So yeah, so I, I think some players should be aware, but you just never know.
1: Yeah, Ron, I looked it up. Sam Cassell is a Baltimore native. So yeah. you were oh. right about that. I'd like, born there, high
2: school there. Yeah.
1: I'd like an oral history of the Ron Johnson, Bart Scott, Sam Cassell boxing uh, workouts. That sounds like a heck yeah, of a time. Yeah, that sounds great.
0: Yeah. I got to dig back into my mind. Uh, I'm going to try to get Bart on the show. I've been trying to get him, but I know he's busy because ESPN, everybody knows what's going on there. So it's really, I guess, tense around there uh, the last year. Uh, what we didn't know is you know people think layoffs come quick it's been like a year my guess of a negotiations conversations uh so it makes a little bit more sense of why the first year of the ron johnson so bart was kind of like hey man i'll come on let me know and then you know oh man this day doesn't work this day doesn't work so uh mm-hmm. but yeah no i i just remember like I, I don't know why but sam Cassell, yeah so i guess he's from baltimore but he must have known like ray lewis and i mean of course he knows ray lewis uh he's sam Cassell, but you know he must have known like ray and barton and ed hartwell so yeah he would he would come to these boxing workouts with us. And um, I didn't even realize, like, he was a Timberwolf until, like, we started having that conversation. Because I wasn't – I was big on basketball, but I wasn't like, oh, I didn't know you played for this team, you know. So then I started to realize, oh, yeah, man, I played for the Gophers, blah, blah. And then he and I – so and then when I came back to Minnesota, which is funny, in the offseason, we actually uh, hung out a couple times, uh, like, at a random, like, night out. Like, guys were going out. Mm-hmm. I saw him there. And so he was like, oh, yeah, man, I'll be down there. Let me know. So, yeah, no, it was just – it was it was a, like – it was a hard workout that a lot of football players did. And so I said, I guess Sam Cassell was like, man, this is a, it's a beast of a, it was like an hour straight. I still have the gloves. I use them every once in a while, but it was an hour straight with like a legit boxer. Um, and of course, you know, these NFL NBA guys, so this guy is like, you know, it's not like not, nothing to some of these, you know, booty boot camp people, but you know, this was more of like a serious intense, picking up like 45 pound plates, carrying it over your head dropping it, you know, working on combos, learning how to punch. Cause what we learned is in football, the same movement to shift your core and your punch is the same thing as punching a player. You're trying to pull his arm through or reaching. And so it it ended up kind of being like a a dual purpose. Like it was a hard workout. We all wore hoodies. So we were like drenched in sweat, Um, but it was also like actual movements in football. When you think about the punch, uh especially for like we had some offensive linemen, I think, did it with us for sure. I can't remember who exactly, but I know some offensive defensive linemen did it with us. Um there was guys from other teams, like the Redskins had some guys. Um there were guys from college that played, they were from Baltimore that were there. But yeah, this dude was a big time. I don't I can't remember the name of the gym, but I know Everlast was one of his sponsors because that's where I got my gloves from. Uh, but so as long as you took his class, I think three times, you got free gloves. And so then yeah, so because you pay for the class, but then if you take it three times, you get to keep the gloves and blah blah. And yeah, so it was it was a good deal, though. But yeah, I never I forgot about that until you said that Sam Cassell, he was in our boxing class.
1: That's so awesome. Uh at three Ron Johnson on Twitter, the round table tomorrow, Ron, you'll be hosting Luke Inman. Reggie Wilson will be with us, uh, talking Minnesota Sports. And then uh we've got plenty of shows. Coming up here before training camp, so check out the Ron Johnson Show Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays roundtable on Friday, and he always joins us on Thursdays on the Minnesota Football Party. Thanks a lot, Ron. Good stuff.
0: No, thank you guys for having me.
1: Yeah, I wish I could could have been a fly in the wall for that boxing class with Cassell. Yeah, it sounds tough. It sounds like it Ray. takes real
0: onions, right?
1: Yeah, onions. <laughs> Big time, uh, Arif. Good contributions today as well from you, at Arif Hassan NFL. Uh, what are you writing about? this time of year?
2: Oh, it's um, a lot of it. I'm just going over like the random trades that occurred uh, over, uh, you know, the NFL. So like, um, or, or like big signings, like, you know, the chief's decision to decline signing Orlando Brown, the Bengals decision to sign them um, grading trades at Ciccadarious, Tony trade. But the stuff that um, I'm kind of more excited about right now is that I was at a business development conference back in April, and we were able to finally write those stories, get them published. So three stories, one on Devin and Jason McCordy. In their media careers. Devin told me why he retired from the Patriots. That was really cool. Um, One from Julius Thomas, who is uh, earning his PhD in clinical psychology with an emphasis on neuroscience. He's working with um, Julius Thomas, like from the Broncos and Jaguars. Um, yeah. who uh, is working with the Harvard Football Study Group to find better mental health outcomes, not just CTE related, but like all of the mental health ca- outcomes associated with player retirement. So he's working to produce better outcomes for players. And then all, uh, and finally, Atlanta Falcons receiver Mac Hollins, who is a weirdo. And so I wanted to talk to him about how weird he is. Uh, and I had a really good discussion with him about, you know, uh, his Instagram, which I guess now maybe he has threads now, who knows? Uh, his Instagram, which has been popping off, you know, he does like Fast Fact Fridays and MacBook Mondays where he talks about uh, books um, and, uh, and his burgeoning real estate uh, business. So I uh, was able to get those in. Those have been published. Those are on the site. Uh, a bunch of trade recaps. Um, some near daily, I'm writing some Viking stories. So very recently, I just wrote about, you know, breakout candidates. I included KJ Osborne on that list, of course. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that's going up right now. Pro Football Network.
1: Fantastic features there. Check him out. He's at Hassan NFL on Twitter. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Roundtable tomorrow. Uh, you can find the Ron Johnson show. You can find the Minnesota Football Party here on On Sports Minnesota. Subscribe on YouTube, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, Roku, Amazon Fire, and the SXM app, Sirius XM, are good partners. Thank you, Arif. And, uh, We'll be back next week on the Minnesota Football Party. Until then, see ya.
2: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast
0: ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.